You were listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc. Well, today we are kicking off part one of a series that we're calling Relation Trips. Relation Trips. As we're going to look at the different things in our lives, in our relationships, that can cause us to trip up and fall in the area of our relationships. We believe that every relationship has dangers in it, things that can trip us up. But in this series, we want to examine God's design and how he intended for us to do relationships. Now, for all my single people who are about to jump off the online gathering and walk out the door, all right, we talking to you too, okay, because we're talking about all different types of relationships. We'll talk about marriage and dating a little bit, but we'll also talk about coworker relationships. We'll talk, talk about your crazy uncle. We'll talk about your parents and your kids. We'll talk about that person who's trolling you on social media, okay, who's getting on your last nerve, all right, because we have relationships with all these different people. Uh, now, here's what I know with all confidence at the beginning of today in our series uh, two things. One, relationships impact and affect all of us on some level or another. Agreed? Just nod like this for all my people in the room. Awesome. Uh, second thing that I know with full confidence is the relationships can be difficult. Okay? Just nod like this. Don't look at your spouse. Just nod straight ahead. Okay? All right. Relationships can be difficult. Because they can be difficult, we're going to jump into some meaty content, uh, some weighty stuff here over the next few weeks, including today. Uh, but I thought it'd be fun to kind of laugh to get started, okay? Everybody good with laughing? Just do like this. You didn't do like this the first two times. Just do like this the third time, all right? Okay, now, so I'm going to share with you some posts, some tweets that people um, put out about relationships of all different kind, and then when I share them, you're going to laugh, okay? You got that? You got your cue? Uh, if you don't, I'm going to feel lonely, okay? Uh, here's some posts. You guys can see them on the screen. From a parent, a parent tweeted this, no one is more full of false hope than a preschool parent bringing a chair to the beach. Anybody feeling me on that? Some of y'all tried that this summer. It didn't work out, all right? Uh, one wife posted this. She said, before I was married, I had no idea I was always right. All right, that's right. Okay, some of our ladies are like, I told you. Uh, from a coworker, uh, I never wanted to know the answer to anything bad enough to ask a question at the end of a meeting that's already running 30 minutes over time. Anybody feeling me on that? They're like, lunch break was 30 minutes ago. I, I moved past that. I don't care point anymore. Like, I'm there, okay? Um, one husband tweeted this. I love this. My wife likes to keep the mystery in our relationship. For example, I never know what is going to arrive for her from Amazon today. All right, I'm just going to leave that there because some of y'all, that was way too real, okay? Um, here's, here's a uh, post from a single girl. Uh, Nothing has been nor ever will be more chaotic than the it's complicated relationship status option on Facebook, okay? Some of y'all feeling that. You're like, is he into me? Is he not? I don't know. It's complicated. That's all he said, okay? Um, here's from one coworker. They said, I'd like to light I like to lightheartedly tell my coworkers, don't even talk to me until I've had my coffee and then I never get my coffee, right? Some of y'all, y'all introverts, you don't talk to me at 8 a.m. or 3 p.m., either one, okay? Um, one husband posted this. This is great. My wife and I played this fun game during quarantine. It's called, Why Are You Doing It That Way? And There Are No Winners, uh-huh. Some of you marriage relationships, you were there. And then perhaps my favorite, from a parent, I just overheard my two-year-old exclaim, Yay, I did it, from the other room. What I learned next will either be exhilarating or horrifying. You're feeling me, parents, right? Relationships can be hard, and sometimes we just have to laugh. You see, we all have to navigate relationships in our life, whether it is a marriage relationship, a dating, a crazy in-laws, a boss-coworker relationship. Maybe it's somebody in your friend circle. For many of you, uh, you have relationships, but also for many of you right now, even in this moment, 
relationships in your life are the greatest source of frustration, anger, stress, and anxiety for you. You see, we all have to deal with the pain and the difficulties of relationships, of broken people sharing relationships with broken people. And as we said from the beginning today, God intended for us to do relationship together. He created us for one another, which means he also has a design for how relationships are supposed to go. And so in this series, we're going to look at that. If you have a copy of Scripture, open up to uh, Romans chapter 12 in the New Testament. If you don't have a copy of Scripture, we'll put it um, on the screen here behind me or wherever you're watching our online gathering. Romans 12 is where we're going to be. Uh, it's going to take us about 10 minutes to get there, but I'll go ahead and give you a head start into Romans chapter 12 with where we're going to go. The goal of this series, hear me, the goal of this series is not to destroy the relationships that you have in your life right now, okay? That's not the goal of this series. Now, some of you, I believe, are going to discover perhaps over the next four or five weeks that there are relationships in your life that are not family, all right, that are not life-giving to you, that are not creating in you more towards the image of Jesus. They're not pushing you into Christ-likeness, and you may need to evaluate whether that's a relationship worth hanging on to or not. But for most of us, all right, what I want us to see is we're not destroying the relationships that are in our life, but I want us to strengthen and pull into alignment the relationships that God has given to us, whether that be a friend, a coworker, a parent, or a spouse. So because relationships can be difficult and trip us up, here's what we're going to look at each week throughout this series is we're going to first look at the dangers in our relationships, the things that can trip us up. Okay? So when we look at the dangers, that's what it looks like to do relationship according to you. In your strength, in your wisdom, maybe with a little bit of the input from the world, a little bit of social media, a little bit of the news, a little bit of self-help, that's the dangers of our relationships. And I believe as we look at the dangers that many of us have experienced, we'll see our need for the design. We're also going to look at God's design on what does it look like when we do relationships according to his word and according to his design. So today, to kick us off across our five weeks, I want to look at the characteristic, the foundation of our relationships in love, okay? I think we can all agree that every relationship on some level all right, has a foundation of love. And I'm not just talking about romantic love, but I'm talking about love infused in every relationship in our life. So first, I want us to see three different dangers that can happen in our relationship to trip us up in the area of love. The first characteristic of danger is what can develop in our life is what's called a hypocritical love. A hypocritical love. You can write that down. Uh, in the ancient Greek and Roman days, an onstage actor would wear a mask as they lived out a character. They would cover up them true se- their true selves to act as uh, under, un- underneath uh, identity of a mask. Or maybe we even see it today or some in that day they would use things to even distort their own voice so that you couldn't recognize who they were. It was that foundation in the original days that created this word that we now use, hypocrite. A hypocrite is a person who pretends to have a certain value or belief or feeling that they actually do not have. And the danger in many relationships in our lives is that they are defined by hypocritical love. But if you think about it, that's actually really an oxymoron because a hypocritical love is not really a love at all. See, love that is merely spoken or claimed but is not possessed and demonstrated is not really love. And there's so many relationships in our life where this idea of a hypocritical love can begin to manifest itself. Like when you tell your boss that you appreciate them and you value their leadership and you tell them that to their face but then you dog them to your coworkers behind closed doors. 
Or when you smile at that new person that walks into your life group and you tell them everybody's welcome, but then you whisper behind their back because they do life differently and you feel like they're ruining the group. You see, a hypocritical love can begin to creep into our life so easily, faster than we realize, but a hypocritical love isn't really love at all. In fact, we can read this from 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. Look at it on the screen. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Scripture says hypocritical love is a result of a much deeper problem that there is no love of God really rooted in that person or in that relationship. We cannot merely claim love in our relationship, but we must learn to demonstrate it as well. And see, that can be a danger that can begin to trip us up. When relationship is functioning outside of God's design, there's a hypocritical love where both sides claim to have something that's not really there. But there's a second danger I want us to see, and we'll call that a convenient love. Convenient love. Not only are relationships defined by hypocritical love, but also a convenient love. Can we just all agree as a culture, we love convenience. We live for convenience. Like, can I get next day delivery, fast food, immediate response, right? Immediate gratification. And while I don't think there's anything wrong with efficiency, I think where it can begin to become a danger is when it begins to creep into our relationships. And we can begin to live based on a convenient love. We claim and demonstrate love as long as it's convenient for us. We'll love as long as it meets our preferences. We'll love as long as it fits into our schedule and our desires. But the moment it begins to stretch us, the moment it begins to make us uncomfortable, to knock us off of our routine, well, then all of a sudden it's no longer convenient. And that's why we begin to see over and over people who leave the job, who drop the friend, who separate from the spouse or leave the parents because we merely love with a convenient love, which again, isn't really love at all. It's kind of like that seventh grade relationship between that guy and that girl. You know what I'm talking about, right? Where he says, I like you. And then they become a thing, right? Which really, what does that mean? I mean, really what that means is they drop a heart in their like bio on social, okay? Doesn't it mean that, all right? And then they DM each other a few times throughout the day. They wave when they see each other in the hall and it lasts for a good solid, I don't know, seven days, okay? Right? Isn't that how it goes? But then about day three or day four or day eight, okay, a little cuter girl says something to the guy or a little more popular guy DMs the girl and then all of a sudden the old guy or the old girl ain't that great anymore, Right? Because why? It's no longer convenient. And we look at that and we, and we laugh. We're like, man, that's junior high immaturity. When they grow up, they'll learn. But let me ask you, adults, do we really? Do we really? You see, we grew up and see adults who bail on a marriage because their spouse just didn't meet their expectations. Or we see people act bail on friendships because they heard a rumor that this friend said something about me. Or we leave jobs because we don't like the way things are going. We see parents disconnect from relationships with their kids because work or life got busy. We see relationships severed because somebody said that indirect thing, and I'm pretty sure they posted that thing about me. Over and over, we're guilty of falling into this idea of convenient love, only looking for how it benefits us, how it fits in my preferences and my schedule. But again, a convenient love, just like a hypocritical love, isn't really love at all. 
You see, there's so many different dangers that can trip us up. Hypocritical love, a convenient love, but then the final one, and perhaps the most powerful one, is the love of self. One of the greatest dangers to our relationships is the love of self. Do you know one person in my life that I, I've found I have zero trouble loving? Me. I am excellent at loving me. Like, I wake up every day just killing it in the category of loving me. Like, I know what I want. I know what I like to eat. I know when I'm tired when I'm not tired. I know when, you want to, when I want you to talk to me. I know when I don't want you to talk to me, all right? I know when I feel like doing my work and when I don't feel like doing it. Like, I'm great at loving me. And chances are you're kind of the same way, right? There's one word that you never have to teach your kid. It's what? Mine. That love of self begins to grow and fester inside of us, and it also begins to seep into our relationships. And I love what Paul told Timothy, so uh, foreshadowing of what would be to come. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, look at this. It says, people will be lovers of themselves. And then he goes on. I believe all these things really can root back to this love of self. They become lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good. Paul says in the final days, people will even more gravitate towards the love of self. And because we have this natural leaning in us personally on a daily basis, it also transfers into the relationships we have, and it can cause great tension and great dangers. See, I've never heard of someone ending a friendship because their friend thought about them too much. I've never had a married couple sit down in my office for counseling because they were just serving and loving the other person so well. It never goes that way. No, it often always roots back to this love of self. It's the reason your kid doesn't want to turn off the TV at night and go to bed like you ask them to, right? It's the reason grown adults push back on their boss when work gets difficult. It's the reason spouses withhold affection and respect from each other because we continually fight the love of self. Love of self marks our relationships when we try to live out of our own strength, out of our own design. And love of self can be something that trips us up and leads us into a whole lot of danger. You see, love done our way, maybe infused by a little bit of culture, results in dangers like that, the hypocritical love, or that convenient love, or ultimately the love of self. And chances are every single one of us listening in this moment has experienced relationships with that kind of love at some point in our life, whatever relationship that may be. And some of you are in that kind of relationship right now. In your household, in your marriage, at your workplace, with your in-laws, with that old ex-best friend. And I think we could all admit that there are relationships in our life that are in danger and desperately in need of God's design for how to do love in relationships his way. And so I want us to begin to dive into Romans chapter 12, where Paul begins to give some very clear instructions on love, love that lasts, love that's done God's way under God's design. Now, let me say this before we begin to read in just a moment. The things that we're going to begin to lay out, the three different truths under God's design in the area of love if you're living life apart from relationship with Jesus, all right, you're not going to be able to fully live these things out. You can try, but it's going to be really frustrating, really exhausting. 
Because it first starts with relationship with Jesus that then begins to spill into our relationship with others. So understand that before we begin to wrap our minds around this truth of God's design. But Romans chapter 12, I want us to dive in in verse 9. Here's what Paul writes. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. So here's the first characteristic. Paul lays it out. Love done under God's design is sincere love. It's sincere love. The Living Bible um, translates verse 9. I love it this way. It says, um, don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. I love that translation. Don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. You see, this is the complete opposite of that hypocritical mask love that we talked about earlier. Sincere love is not, it's not a lip service, empty words love, but it's love that is possessed and expressed. Love that's owned and then it's shown and demonstrated. Sincere love, it, it's not kind of like a fake it till you make it kind of love. You've been, you've been in that moment before, the fake it till you make it kind of situation. We joke about that all the time, like at work when the boss gave a project and like seemingly everybody else understands and you don't, but you're like, uh-huh, just it's a whole lot of, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, okay, right? And then you're just trying to get out of that conversation. Or students, when you're going to go back to school, all right, here next week, and the teacher gives the project, and everybody else in the class gets it, and you're like, you might as well have been speaking a foreign language. I got nothing, okay, right? I'm going to message somebody. It's a fake it till you make it moment. Sincere love, it's not fake it till you make it. It's not this surface level kind of thing. It's sincere love is characterized by genuine emotion that's spoken and demonstrated. Look at this, what Paul would write to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. It says, the goal of this command, what we're about to say, is love. What does that love come from? It comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Catch this. A sincere love is based less on a feeling and more on a choice. I'm going to say that for somebody at home who missed that. A sincere love is based less on a feeling and more on a choice. Because we've all been guilty of living on feeling-based love, haven't we? It's why that high school or college dating relationship fizzled out. Because the feeling went away. It's why that job that you love that first month, but now you can't stand your boss and coworkers because the new feeling wore off. You see, when you choose to love in your family, in your marriage, in your friendships with a sincere love, there are many days where you have to love based more on a choice than on a feeling. It's not based on the warm fuzzies or the feedback that they give you or how they serve you, but it's based on a committed, sincere choice that you make. This kind of love that Paul's describing is an agape kind of love. You understand love in Scripture is described in four different ways. Agape is the highest level of love. That's what Paul's talking about here. Agape love, it's an intentional, conscious choice, not motivated by superficial appearance, not motivated by emotional attraction or sentimental relationship. Those things are not wrong, but it's not the motivation Paul's talking about. Contrary to hypocritical love, a sincere love is not just in it to see what I can get. It doesn't start with, what can you give me? But instead, it starts with, how can I serve you? You see, the love of Christ followers should not be someone who hides behind a mask, but it should come from a genuine place where we're willing to sacrifice something at a cost. And can I be honest with you? Often that cost is the death of self. 
A sincere love doesn't deceive with words, but it loves with action. And in a world where much that looks real is not real, God calls us to live differently. He says that you would live in your household, in your marriage, in your family, at your workplace with a sincere love that is expressed in action, not merely in words. It's love that just doesn't just text a friend, I hope you feel better, but it's a friend that shows up on the doorstep. It's a love that doesn't just tell your kids I love you, but it's a love that makes time and schedules and makes them a priority to spend time with them. It's a love that doesn't just look at your spouse at night and says, I love you, and turn the other way. But it's a love that takes action and sacrifices your time and your preferences to meet the needs of the person that God's given to you. Agape love, agape love is a sacrificial, action-based love. So let me flip the script to you. Does that sound like the love that you're demonstrating in your relationships? In your relationship with your parents or your in-laws, is it a sincere love? In your relationship with your friends or your coworkers, does your love take action or is it based merely on words and then it looks completely different behind closed doors? In your marriage, are you display, displaying agape love that loves out of choice rather than out of a feeling? See, the first type of love under God's design, it's, it's a sincere, true, real, genuine love. Now look back at our passage, Romans 12. Let's pick up the next verse, verse 10. It says, be devoted to one another in love. Let's just stop right there. Be devoted to one another in love. Here's the second characteristic that Paul begins to describe. A love under God's design is a committed love. It's a committed, a sincere that builds into a committed Love. Committed love takes a completely contrary approach to that convenient love that we talked about early, okay? Convenient love, think about it like this. Convenient love's like a microwave hot pocket kind of love. I don't want to wait long. Give it to me quick. Give it to me in an instant. May still be a little bit cold on the inside, but it's warm on the outside. All right? A committed love is like baby back ribs in the slow smoker. It takes time, and it takes perseverance, and it endures, but the flavor and the aroma of it is rich, and it's deep. See, a few years ago, I had the chance to be a part of the celebration of my wife's grandparents' 70th wedding anniversary, 7-0. Brought with me a picture today of Waylon and Catherine. Look at them. 70 years apart. They would live into their mid-90s, another three years past that picture, and they would make it to 73 years of marriage. On their 70th wedding anniversary, the state of Louisiana honored them and declared a declaration over their love and their commitment to one another. How does that happen? How do you do that? Well, one, you got to live a long time. But two, you can't live for a microwave hot pocket kind of love. It becomes a committed love that's deep, that's true, that begins to lean in and serve one another. See, it's a love not defined by convenience, but defined by commitment. And in a world where till death do us part has turned into until it gets difficult and then we part, God's called us to live differently. 
He's called us to live in our relationships with a committed love. You see, in any other segment of the world, this kind of love doesn't make sense. It's not translating. That's why you scroll social, and every week it's seemingly a new celebrity breakup or divorce. It's why there's new drama between friends on social media. It's why there's tension in families, and people leave companies for another one, just like changing socks. You see, a committed love is not what the world is selling. But we have to understand this kind of love only comes by living in the Spirit, that our minds, our hearts would be renewed in the power of who God is in us through His Word. I want to read to you from Romans chapter 12, a little earlier in the chapter, a verse that I believe connects with every relationship of our lives as we live this out on a daily basis. Romans 12 verse 2, look at it. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. The world lives for the convenience, in the hypocritical, in the love of self. But he says, rather, in your relationships, man, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Are you saying my mind's not always where it needs to be, Paul? Yep, that's what I'm saying. But when you renew your mind, then what happens? Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is why the key to healthy relationships is not the influence of culture. It's not making your life look like their Instagram reel. It's not based on the latest self-help book or the latest chick flick. No, the healthiest foundation that you can lay for your friendships, your family, your marriage, your workplace is the Word of God and spiritual community surrounding yourself with God's people. Why is that? Sounds like church speak. No, you see, the greater our understanding of God's love, God's commitment, God's grace in our life, the easier it is to overflow that into the relationships in our life. But it starts with that renewing of our mind in him daily so that we can live that out. And I love what 1 Peter would say. Look at this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Now that, watch this, now that you have purified yourselves in Christ by obeying the truth. Who did it start with? You. Now that you purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you now have what? You now have sincere love for each other. Now you can love one another deeply from the heart. And in a world, church, where convenience reigns, we have to understand that a committed love is the only foundation for building long-standing, sturdy relationships. So again, the script flips to you. Is that what your love looks like in your relationships? Are you practicing committed love with your kids or back to your parents? Are you living with committed love in your marriage, towards your boss, towards that coach, with that coworker that's on your last nerve? You see, God's design for love in our relationships, it's committed, it's sincere. But then there's one final piece that I believe Paul speaks to. It's so powerful. Romans chapter 12, pick up with me in verse 10. Paul says, be devoted to one another in love. Then Paul lays it out. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Here's the third truth today. Under God's design, if you're going to live it out in your relationships, your love looks like this. It's a love that shows honor. It's a love that willingly, actively shows honor. And here's the deal. 
Let's be real. This third and final characteristic is perhaps the hardest one to live out. You know why? Because it wars against the love of self. It's an immediate opposition daily to the love of self. Verse 10 said, honor one another above yourselves. But let's be honest to say, that doesn't come naturally. Daily we wake up willing to honor ourselves. But to place oneself above us is a whole new level. And I think Paul knew it would be difficult. That's why God inspired him to write a recipe. Well, if you caught it in verses 11 through 13, we read it. But Paul gives us the recipe on how to honor others, how to live with a love that shows honor. Let's break it down into a few different parts. Verse 11, Paul says this first. He says, keep your spiritual zeal by serving the Lord. Remembering, here's what Paul's saying, remembering how Jesus has loved and served you. Church, don't, let's, let's not forget today, we sang it, remember how Jesus honored you. He went to the lowest place. Where did he go? He went to the cross, willingly giving himself so that you and I might have the gift of life. So what does that mean for us in our relationships? It means that we willingly choose to honor others above ourselves because it's easy? No, because it's what Jesus demonstrated. It's his example in our lives to lift others up. Jesus becomes the standard. So what do we do? Keep your spiritual fervor and zeal, serving the Lord, honoring others first. Verse 12, here's the second part of the recipe. Paul says, be patient in affliction. This is for somebody. Be patient in affliction. Some of you, if you were honest, you're in the middle of relationship affliction. There's greater distance between you and your kids right now than there ever has been. There's tension at your workplace. Your relationship with your spouse is filled with so much frustration, you don't know if it can be repaired. And you sit here today listening in this moment, perhaps ready to give it up. And God looks at you today through his living and active word, and he says, be patient in affliction." And I know what some of you are thinking. That's the last thing I want to hear. I've been patient for a long time, for the whole last season. For years, I've been patient in affliction. But what I'm saying to you, church, is that I believe as we align ourselves with God's word, I'm convinced that if we remain faithful to God's call on us, even in the middle of affliction, he's faithful, he's a supplier, he's provider, he will give you the physical, emotional, spiritual, mental strength to last it out. Be patient in affliction. Be patient in affliction. Paul would also write this in Romans 5 verse 3. Look at this. He speaks to you today. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. That may be how you label your relationship today. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. We're going somewhere. And hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love, uh-oh, his love, it went first. It's the foundation. And what does it do? God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Perhaps for somebody today, God brought you to this moment right here in the middle of a relationship, affliction and turmoil, to say, be patient. Don't give up. It doesn't have to be over. I can turn messes into masterpieces. Be patient in affliction. Paul goes on, the end of verse 12. Don't miss this. 
It's the recipe for love that shows honor. He says, be faithful in prayer. Be faithful in prayer. Can I ask you a question? Think about it. When is the last time you really prayed for the difficult relationships in your life? Really. See, we're often quick to try to solve things on our own, but we're real slow to take it to the God who created relationships in the first place. And I've found it's really difficult to be at odds with somebody that we are consistently, obediently praying for. Over the last season, I've been walking with a friend of mine who's walking through the pain of a broken marriage, seemingly beyond repair. But he said, Bryant, I'm praying for her and her heart daily. Can I ask you, who, who do you need to be praying for daily? Paul says, be fervent, be faithful in prayer. And the final part of this, this recipe of love that shows honor, verse 13, Paul says, practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. Now, catch this. The original wording here indicates a, a willing hospitality to strangers, not to those at your dinner table. Paul's talking about strangers. It means literally being willing to open up everything you have to outsiders and strangers all to demonstrate love. Like this is completely contrary to the motives of the love of self. It's, it's a 180 shift perspective changing thing. And I think that may be what God is trying to tell us today is that to live in healthy relationships, it starts with an other's focus. It starts with an other's focus. It starts with how can I serve you in our marriage before I ever ask, how are you going to serve me? It starts with how can I elevate and honor you in my workplace, you in my family, you in my friend circle more than I elevate and honor myself. It starts with how can I rearrange my preferences, my schedules, and lay down my life to show you love. Not because it's the easy thing to do. Not because it's what the preacher said on Sunday. Not because I think if I do it long enough, it might circle back and benefit me. No, but because that's the way that Jesus honored, served, and loved you first. And it's his design that we're looking to follow. You see, a love in our relationships done under God's design is sincere, it is committed, and it willingly, willingly shows honor to others above ourselves. So let me ask you, how and where in your life, in your relationships, do you need to begin to live with that kind of love? See, throughout this series, our goal is to equip you not to hear a good little 30 minutes of content on Sunday, but to live this out in your relationships every day. The goal of these moments is not to make us all smarter, but it's to transform us to look more like Jesus, particularly in the area of our relationships. So here's how we're going to respond throughout this series. It's going to look a little different. If you're here every week with us, you're like, well, hey, lights go down. Man, I, I pray, go to sleep, think, of, think about lunch, and then we go home, right? No, this is the moment we begin to take next steps to go, God, 
like, I got relationships in my life. They're difficult. I want to do them under your design. And so right now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Been here in this room, in our online gathering, in our overflow space, I'm going to ask you if, if, man, God's moving in you to go, hey, in my marriage, in my family, with my nephew, my nieces, my coworkers, my friends, I want, I want to walk this out. And I don't want it to be things that I just hear, but I want it to be things that I do. I'm going to ask you right now to pull out your phone here in this room at home and just text the word relationships. That's it. Text the word relationships to 601-397-6111. You can text it right now. You can text it this afternoon. Whenever you're watching our gathering on the podcast, just text the word relationships. What's going to happen? What y'all going to do? Listen, you're going to get one text back. That's it. And on that will be a link to a page that we've built for today. That page has resources, content to help you live this out beyond this moment. Because here's what I know. When you go home today, tomorrow morning when you wake up, Friday when some of you go to school, guess what relationships are going to be? Hard. And your default is going to be to lean back into your, your design and to counter God's design. And so that page is simply equipping you with some things to help you. There'll be something to read, some scripture to meditate on, something to pray. Because we think we should be faithful in prayer. And then finally, some things to do. Now, we're not going to offer a test next week, see if you lived them out. But I pray that if God's moving in you, if you go, man, there's brokenness in my relationships, I want to honor you first, God, that you'd live that out. So just text the word relationships here in this room in our online gathering. You'll get a one text. There'll be a link. You can follow that as you spend time with Jesus this week to go, God, I want to honor you. I want to live this out. I want my relationships to reflect you. And for some of you today, man, you've got personal spiritual questions in your life, and we're here to help you, to walk with you. If you're here in our in-person gathering, you can use the connection card underneath your seat just to indicate a number of things, whether it's to plug in with a life group, maybe it's ways that we can pray for you. If you're in our online gathering today or in this room, you can text your name to that same number, that's 601-397-6111, and our ministry team would love to pray for you, encourage you, counsel you as you ask spiritual questions about your own faith walk with Jesus. Because you see, the reality is we'll never live in God's design until we're ultimately living in God's plan for our life personally. So today, would you begin to take next steps to live this out in your relationships? Thanks for listening to this message from The Exchange. If you would like to talk to someone about your faith journey, you can contact us through our website, www.theexchange.cc, or by calling or texting 601-397-6111. Now let's go be the church.